Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust proof stainless steel hardware, weather ready teak, and quick dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello and welcome to episode 44 of The School for Dumb Women, the podcast where we try to explain the subjects that seem simple but are actually confusing and only become more confusing the more you think about them. I'm your host woman, inspirational quote you saw on Instagram that doesn't quite make sense, Hannah Farrell. Joining me is 500 likes but only two retweets, Alexandra Haddo. Why don't people want to share my pasty nudes with their friends and family, Hannah? And time hop memory you would rather not deal with right now, Caroline O'Donoghue. Look, it's that ex-boyfriend with his arm around your friend that you don't speak to anymore while you cry silently in the foreground. Happy 2007! This week we're discovering what makes washing machines a dangerous place for your pets to sleep, how a zero-calorie foodstuff isn't necessarily just air, and just what was going on with the writer's strike. In fact, I'm on a writer's strike right now, which is why I didn't write the end of this introduction. So Hannah, you haven't been opened for a while and you smell really mouldy. Yes, please cover me in boiling water and uh, put some vinegar in me maybe. That could be a good idea. Ooh, Mm. I do not want to know about your sex life. (laughs) Yeah, I did did dry cleaning quite recently in episode 35, um, which has made me think that maybe I have a clothes cleaning obsession because today I'm doing washing machines. You definitely don't because you stink. Your cleaning obsession is definitely only academic. Yes. <laughs> Not practical. No, but I do I do love laundry. I love laundry, guys. Uh, really? What, I, what find, is it about it? I find putting a load in so satisfying. <laughs> I know. Sorry, I, I, just... I cleaned a load off me just now. <laughs> um, I, love, I love emptying the basket. Yeah. Then sort of being like, okay. That's just cleaning for the next hour or so and then um, getting it out and it kind of makes your hallway or wherever you dry your clothes on your clothes rack uh, smell like detergent. It's great. Oh, yeah. Do you know what I don't like, though? Hanging up the clothes. Hanging up. First terrible. of all, hanging up the clothes. Second of all, like all women in the 21st century, I have too many clothes, not enough wardrobe. Yes. And I just need to keep things in a constant wash cycle so I, like the, the <laughs> yeah. clothes are for, somewhere. For storage. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, for storage. God, you've articulated so much of what I've been feeling recently. <laughs> Anyway, I've, all, I've always kind of loved laundry and I've always had some questions about them. So this is just going to be a series of questions about laundry, which I'm going to then answer. Sure. Um, why would a washing machine have a window? Great question that I've only just thought about for the first time <laughs> yeah, now. same. Please answer immediately. End this nightmare. <laughs> well, Aesthetic. Uh, well, yeah, to some extent. My mum's obsessed with having a washing machine without a window. So we always, I always grew up with washing machines that didn't have windows. They just looked like the same as a dishwasher or a dryer or whatever. And she really liked that because it matched the other appliances. Oh. That tells you a lot about my upbringing. <laughs> and, um, so it meant when I moved out, I would sit and stare at the washing machine that had windows in my like student flat and be like, wow, it's gone. I 
can see my socks going around. This is what everyone's talking about. Everyone uh, else is on E. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Everyone else is experimenting with MCAT. Um, but it, t- it turns out they have windows so that you can check that the water's strained, basically, if you need to open it. Oh. Yeah. Boring, or in case huh? you've trapped a cat in there or some change. Yeah. Someone on someone on The Guardian, they did a notes and queries on why do they have a window and Ian Johnson from London said, so that you can find the cat. Oh, Ian. So, uh, you and Ian have a lot in common in terms of sense of humour. Oh, I do have the sense of humour for <laughs> middle-aged man. Yeah. Uh, top-loading washing machines. You ever come across those? I thought that's the ones without the windows. Yeah. No, no, no. The ones that flap at the top. They they flap at the top. Yeah, no, the one I, the one that my mum has. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's still a side opener. It's still the classic washing machine. It just doesn't have a window. Oh. Because mm. I was yeah. imagining the top opener. Oh, no, yeah. no, no. The band Top Loader are not named after the washing machine. Oh. Oh. Um, Do you have that on record from the band? They did an interview, which I found online, and they said, oh, it was something that our pal used to do. It's not worth getting into. Oh, it's a weed thing, isn't it? Well, oh, is it? Know, probably. Yeah, it's like loading the, the front of the joint with um, loads of weed. So the first person who takes the first few tokes gets all the weed. Oh, what Not a that I would, selfish... No. <laughs> <laughs> no, your series of tweets about The Little Mermaid at 1am the n- other night were just completely sober. They were sober-ass tweets. <laughs> um, on the continent, in Europe, they prefer top-loading machines. And when I lived in Paris, actually, I had one. And it was weird because the drum was still kind of the right way up. And there was a little, like, gate in the drum which you had to open and then put your clothes in and then kind of reach in with your whole arm and dig them out. It's mm. terrible. All I can think about is that my friend had a top-loading washing machine and she had sex with her boyfriend while it was on. Oh, that's such a so stupid what? thing that a teenager would do. Is yeah. On the washing machine. Because you see yeah. the drawing of someone doing that yeah. in like the 50s and you're like, that's a thing I'll do. What yeah, a yeah. horny thing for me to do. Yeah. I don't think it was that horny for her. Oh, yeah, God. It's a bit like having sex in a pool or something. Oh, yeah. God. I was just going to say in the bath. It's yeah. a horrible experience. Any kind of hydro shag. Hydro Shack is in the middle of the Venn diagram of seems like it would be the sexiest thing in the world actually is awful. The worst yeah. thing you could possibly yeah. do yeah. with your body for free. Yeah. yeah, yeah. People who have sex like in the sea as well. There's so much crap in the sea. Uh, so much awful, awful in the sea. Yeah, yeah. it's VV dangerous for ladies. Oh. oh, has anyone actually done it? No, no. Well, yeah, my friend has. Well, yeah, I mean, not me. Like people have. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, the last thing David Attenborough needs is you adding your jizz to all the problems he's got with the oceans. <laughs> he's dealing with quite enough as it is. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, top-loading washing machines are less efficient, apparently, because you need more water to cover the clothes. And the drum doesn't go round in a top-loader. So so by top-loader, I'm now talking about the ones where the drum is kind of like... And I'm only visualising the band. Yeah. So <laughs> Dancing in the moonlight. Nobody knows any other song. No. There's like a spoon in the middle of those drums, though, that goes around and stirs everything, so the drum doesn't move. I found, I found that interesting. <laughs> There's like, a oh, spoon. Fact, oh, I'm writing gosh. this down. It's called an agitator, Alex. Oh. Well, it's agitating me. Yeah, exactly. Um, I'm just going to keep going on the washing machine. All right, yeah. Here. Uh, the Vatican said that the washing machine did more for women than the pill oh. in terms of emancipation and giving them more time, but... They would say that, though, wouldn't they? They would. They so much, uh, yeah. they have a kind of a point because there's like a lot of backlash from the pill in the sixties and seventies of women who are now expected to have a lot of sex. So like like the pill actually hurt some women. 
Yeah. But I mean, obviously, on the whole, it was the greatest liberator of our times. But they're not not onto a point. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. 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 But you can see where their kind of bias comes from. Yes, you absolutely um, can. I mean, you know, they hate contraception and they have a lot of robes to wash. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. I just want to, you know, have a balanced Catholic report. Um, yeah. There was an oh. argument as well that actually it didn't do that much for women because it made them less social. Because before washing machines, laundry was done in like public washhouses with lies, soap. Yeah, and, and like you kind of, it was a place for women to come together. I mean, traditionally, obviously, women doing the washing. Mm. Um, so it kind of led to social isolation, which is really sad. Well, this, this is a very interesting thing about cleaning appliances through the ages. Like, for example, the vacuum cleaner was supposed to like eliminate um, so much of your daily housework or whatever, cut down your housework, oh, therefore sweeping, yeah. have more leisure time. Or so you would think. Yeah. But actually, the, um, the sort of scale throughout history has shown the more something makes it easier for you to clean, the higher the social standard of cleanliness becomes. Oh, so you're yeah. just constantly a snake eating your own tail. Oh, your own dirty, dirty your tail. Your own dirty, dirty tail. <laughs> so like, yeah, uh, I think people used to wash their clothes much less. They probably smelled more, but it was more, everyone was kind of acclimatised to that smelled. level of yeah. smell. Yeah, yeah. And now if like someone has the slightest whiff of damp off them, I'm like, you're wrong. Yeah. <laughs> like, you're yeah. a trash person. Yeah, if someone smells like they left their washing, their clothes in the washing machine overnight, like it does alter your opinion of them slightly, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh God, I had a terrible thing with a pair of jeans that just wouldn't stop smelling like that. Oh, I Sometimes um, they just get ruined forever, don't no, no, they? No, it turns out, um, soak them in white vinegar. Oh, yeah, wow. Works. That's works, a real what, is that just good housekeeping then you, tip. You stink so much of vinegar. That, <laughs> no, no, yeah. no, because you, you soak them in vinegar and then you put them in a machine in a normal wash and they stop smelling. Oh. Kills it all, whatever oh, it is. Mysterious bugs. Ugh. One of my um, first jobs in London was that I was the community manager for the Vanish Facebook page. And uh, there was like a... A weird, it was called a tip exchange where people would like write into Vanish with like their weird stains and how we get rid of them. And it was almost exclusively blood and cum all the time. Uh, and long stories about how the blood and cum got there. Like, oh, sure. It was a very depressing well, oh, job. Yeah, some cum fell out of a window onto my. <laughs> <laughs> it came in from a window. Yeah. <laughs> well, every, every person who has periods knows that just cold water. Cold water. Cold yeah. water for blood. There you go. Is it? I didn't know that. What? What when when your knickers are dry? Uh, do you have a mum? <laughs> what is she telling you? What yeah, you? you put cold water on it straight away and just rub and rub with cold water again over and over again. Oh, you don't you don't put hot that. water on because it like I don't know bakes it in or something. Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah, <laughs> sure, that sounds scientific. Well, I know now. Hmm. How fast do you reckon a spin cycle is? Thirty Ooh. miles an hour. Ninety miles an hour. <laughs> <laughs> no, obviously it's not. I have no idea. Um, well, obviously it's measured in RPM rotations per minute. Oh, uh, obviously, yes. Well, obviously. But on explainthatstuff.com, they, <laughs> <laughs> they say it could be up to 80 miles an hour, which is loads, considering your clothes are being like flung around. Yeah, that's like, insane. That's amazing that clothes oh my God. don't just I disintegrate. I said 70, right? 90. You said 90. Oh my God, I'm but so that's close. Pretty close. But then you looked at me weird, so I just... <laughs> Went back into your shell. Yeah. Go back in. Uh, why are there so many programs in washing machines? Um, oh, great question. Why? 
Just for shits and giggles. Just for shits and giggles. Just so they can be like, this washing machine actually has 20 extra programs. That's an extra 50 pounds. There's so many like, oh, because obviously there's the drawing of the iron and there's the drawing of like a, a, a snowflake that's a cold wash. Yeah. But the rest, what the hell? I mean, yeah. Like, just lots of lines and squiggles and dots and crap. Yeah. Like, yeah. Again mm. on uh, explainthatstuff.com, which I now love. Um they said, much of this is a marketing con to make you believe the machine has more features than it really does. Ooh. Most machines can really only do about three or four basic washes. And everything else is kind of like 10 degrees hotter or, you know, 20 RPM slower and stuff like that. Like You kind of you kind of don't really need it. Don't need them. Uh, I mean, I'm not probably not going to go into the history of washing machines. Like, we all vaguely know you used to wash your clothes in a river. Yeah, and then you motorise that your... and then the end. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> used to go to a wash house, used to use human urine, as we said in the dry cleaning episode. <gasps> and um, the only other thing was washboard abs. Why do we Why do we classify abs as, like, washboard? Because yeah. we don't use washboards anymore. I guess it so, just stemmed weird. from that, though, because it looked the same, like yeah, cobbles. Just hotties in the 1800s must have had <laughs> great abs. Maybe women used to use it as an excuse to touch men. Like, oh, I need to just dry these clothes a tiny bit. Like, <laughs> your abs look like the, the thing I use for that. <laughs> yeah, it's such a weird thing to be left over from such a... It's so strange. Air, like saying, oh, you you've got a hot air balloon. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they say, oh, you've got hair like several quills. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's it. Where are the things to stick around, eh? <laughs> that's enough for me. You know, guys, I feel like I'm lacking in some kind of essential smart woman vitamin but I just I can't work out exactly what it is that I need uh, maybe you should go out and get some of the D um, vitamin D oh. I mean from oh. the outside world so oh. you know, stand in the sunshine oh yeah I have a satsume in my bag no, it's not that. I think I think I need to attend a Women Who Code Mixer. <gasps> yes, Yay! you do! The cure for any blues. Just to sit in a dark room and hear only about women and technology, Correct. the internet and life online. As you may know by now, every week on the Women Who Code Mixer, we attempt to learn something new about the world of technology. And today we're looking at smart homes. Smart homes are basically homes with gadgets in them, uh, just loads and loads of gadgets. Mm. So any home with a gadget is a smart home. At what point does your home go from being like dumb to like clever-ish because you've got like a Amazon Echo or whatever? Mm. At what point does it like cross a threshold into being completely smart? I think any gadget, like doorbells are clever. Like, doorbells are clever we've had smart homes for a long time guys that wow. is smart oh my god doorbells are fucking clever I should say smart homes are meant to be like internet connected so if your doorbell isn't connected to the internet it's probably not actually a smart home I am scared of all of this smart technology and also I'm quite dumb so I feel like I don't want my house to be smarter than me yeah that's fair so I thought um, I'd bring you guys some real life examples of things that you might find in a smart home obviously um, as we've just said doorbells like you can get smart doorbells where you can see who's at the door even if you're not actually at home so there's a little camera Mm -hmm. quite cool 
those hoovers that scurry around. Uh, oh, the Roomba. Programmed and fall down the stairs and Roomba. stuff. Roomba. Let me see you say Roomba. Isn't that a pit bull song? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that weird beep in that one. Um. <laughs> Central heating gadgets like Hive that allow you to like turn on your heating when you're on your way home and stuff like that. Or you can turn it off if you Yeah, can't you like text you your kettle and be like, chuck it on, love? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, all that mm, kind of stuff. So weird. Uh, mm. The Amazon Click thing, I can't remember what it's called, where you sit on the bog and click a button and it will order you toilet roll. Right. Mm. No, I don't care for that. Not no. all at all. For it I mean, that's not going to get there before you can nip next door. Exactly. With a yeah. shitty ass. <laughs> uh, loads of surveillance things like uh, pet cameras that check if your dog is mauling the sofa and that can give it oh, treats as yeah. well. People have not. suggested that to us a lot, actually, the whole pet camera thing. Like, oh, would you, would you consider up setting up like a nanny cam for the dog? No. And the thing is... If I knew how miserable she truly was, because she has no internal life, I come home and she's just there, so excited to see me. Even if I'm gone like twenty minutes, yeah, I could. My heart could not take if I knew how lonely and pathetic she truly was. Yeah, oh, but maybe she's having a great time. Maybe she's making up dance routines and like <laughs> I don't know. She truly is not sitting there and scratching her balls, like watching TV. <laughs> if I had one wish for humanity, I would wish that my dog had hobbies. <laughs> just so I know, like, just like even like a shit hobby, like painting by numbers or like X Files yeah. fan fiction or something. Um, yeah, so I read a Forbes article in preparation for this woman who code mixer about the future of smart homes, and basically all it said was that we're all going to be hacked. Everything we have is going to be hacked. So right. that was scary. There's the, a horror film in that, isn't there? Like someone taking control of your smart home. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. But so I thought as a little exercise in this mixer. I would ask you guys what smart home items have not been invented yet, which you would like to be invented. So I'll start off. I want a tampon tracker that tells me exactly where they are. Unused tampons. Oh, yes. Are they in the bathroom? Are they in the bedroom? Are they under the bed? Are they in a bag that I was using last month? I was going to say, it's in the bag you took to Sarah's birthday party. It's always in Sarah's birthday party bag. Yeah. Um, And also how many I have of what different varieties. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, yeah, it might say that like, oh, there are 14 tampons currently in your home. And you're like, great, don't need to buy a box. But then you find that they're those weird blue ones with the weird translucent applicator that don't really oh, work yeah. properly yeah. that are always in Poundland I hate them oh yeah be like you have 12 but they're all super heavy and you're like mm, and oh, you could have a little um, like radioing unit back from inside your uterus as well that's like this week like a weather forecast like this week will be a heavy flow stock up on one more box oh yes. it'd be so good yes. or like, and your uterus will you've... just be connected directly to the to your oh, like yeah. Amazon or whatever or, or a push button alert every like when your tampon is like about to overflow or oh, whatever yeah. you're using is like about to like start staining your knicker is or whatever yeah. just like yeah you've got about five minutes yeah that'd be really great Go. Yeah. oh I'd pay so much money for that what would you guys want in your smart homes oh God, you've really taken the best I one. I know, yeah. <laughs> oh, I know what I want. I want the gadget from Wallace and Gromit that makes him his morning brew. Oh, yeah. But oh, that, no, that does good. exist because that's what um, Father Ted buys for Mrs. Doyle and really upsets Oh, a tea's made. Father Ted, yeah. Yeah, but, I, you know, I want it to like, I want it to make it a proper brew. Oh, right, make it good. Mm. Make it good. And then I want it to arrive on my bedside table 10 seconds before my alarm goes off. Yeah. And then I'd it sort of, there's a little elevator like, 
Yeah, no, the thing is, if you're going to have a smart home, you want a Wallace and Gromit level smart home where it's like lots of joints and, yeah. and lots of like, uh, like a boot kicking a thing and yeah. then, a, go- and then yeah. a ball rolls down a thing. Like that's so charming and like lovely. But then yeah. like the, ho- the horrible sterileness of like an Alexa is just not fun at all. Yeah, yeah. that's well, more like we Back to the Future yeah. where he gets stuck in the, whatever it is, his mum's house or something. How is it that we've missed this middle period, right? We've gone from like, <laughs> You know, not not smart homes, completely stupid homes. Yeah, and we're going straight to like the Amazon Alexas and the Echoes and the Back to the Future thing. Yeah, and we've totally missed that fun Wallace and Gromit period in the middle. Yeah, yeah. And in my uh, old age, I do think if you can't wait two minutes in your super smart home uh, to put your kettle on and you have to sort of do it on your app two minutes away from home, yeah. then you're a loser. You are a bit of a loser. Yeah, correct. Mm. The other thing I was thinking of is like a smell, like a Geiger counter, which measures nuclear output or something. But for smells, so the other day I had a smell in my kitchen and I was mm. convinced it was the boiler and I was like, oh, I'm going to have to tell the landlord and get someone out. Like, I don't know what, I don't know why it keeps doing this. And it was actually mouldy chicken goujons in the fridge. Oh! So if I'd have had a smell isolated Geiger counter thing. Like Shazam, but for a smell. Yes, then yes. I would have known. Oh no, it's coming from the fridge. smell, very good. Yeah. Mm. We're going to be rich, guys. <laughs> if only I hadn't shared all of these ideas in a public forum. Yeah. <laughs> to be honest, though, I think that stuff that we said at the start, I think most of that period tech idea, they're probably all quite doable and not that hard to make. It's just that nobody's really interested in making period tech for women because all of Silicon Valley is men, right? Yeah. yeah. And women can't get venture capitalist funding. They don't know about our struggles. They don't know. Oh, they don't care either it's like when all that Apple health data came out a few years ago and like there was like so much tracking stuff for like oh how many steps you take and what kind of steps and all that kind of stuff but there was nothing about your period yeah yeah but they just like completely just ignored like, this entire faction of your life like oh you got a great boner on Wednesday <laughs> <laughs> This week, in a very strange turn of events, we were reminded that we actually have listeners, and some of them have questions. Who'd have thunk? For us. For us. Oh, it's me. It's you. (laughs) Alex, you've taken a question from a listener this week. I have taken a question. I've taken a question from Kate Taylor. Hello, Kate. Thanks for writing in. She says, Hi, guys. Summer is coming up, and classic woman, I'm trying to lose a bit of weight so I can look good in a bikini. Also, Kate, you probably don't, and it's the adverts they're telling you to, but that's by the by. I'm getting rid of sugar cravings by having diet fizzy drinks, Coke, Fanta, etc., which often say they are zero calories. My question is, how can anything be zero calories if it fills you up? What is in there to make it consumable but not actually give you anything? Great question, Kate. Very good question. Very great. I think I sort of tried to touch on this in my... uh squash segment in the Valentine's Day episode. Yes, infamous squash episode. Yes. Um, and all I kind of worked out is that squash doesn't have a lot of calories, but I have the same question as Kate, basically. I don't really know why. It's sweeteners, but what are they? What is that? Well, for this, I turned to my good pal and ex-housemate, Alex Addison, available for personal training for your needs Ooh. in North or East London. Oh, an actual personal trainer. <laughs> an actual personal trainer who always said to me, I'm sorry, Kate, by the way, this is not, not going to be a good answer, <laughs> as in uplifting. And he said, you're always better off getting fat Coke than you are Diet Coke or any diet drinks because it's actual sugar used in the full, you know, the full fat version, the sugary version. And in the diet version, it's full of so much crap to sort of emulate that that is mm. just chemicals. And it's really, really bad for you. Diet Coke uh, is way worse for you than fat Coke. I've also heard that Love with that. diet drinks like that, um, it could almost be worse for you as well because your body thinks that it's got 
sugar in it. That's exactly right. And Hannah. it just gets really mixed up and confused. Yeah, it's like what well, they were called artificial sweeteners. Yeah. So it basically tricks your body. I mean, Kate is saying, you know, how does it fill you up? It doesn't fill you up for long. It's the McDonald's effect. It's like you feel great for like an hour and then you're like, God, I'm hungrier than when I, before I started. Uh, because it's like it's an artificial thing. It's like giving you a quick fake fix, yeah. essentially. Um, and a chemical doesn't have any calories. So the reason why it is, in, in his exact words, is because it's a sweetener, not sugar. Sugar does have calories. Um, and it, the rest of it is just like water and e-numbers. And I mean, it, it did really put me off. Uh, I did have a ginger beer today, though. Because you're, you're a Diet Coke aficionado. Like, you've yeah. had a Diet Coke problem in the past. Mm. Yeah, but I mean, in terms of a lot of other people that have a Diet Coke problem, like, I basically go through phases where I almost have one every day for my lunch. Well, not for my lunch, with my lunch. And to be fair, I never finish it. But, like, I need, I do feel like I need the hit sometimes. Uh, but a lot of people get properly addicted to it because it creates such a quick fix of sugar and then you feel like you need more sugar. Like my best friend uh, went through it with uh, Pepsi Max, which is Diet Pepsi, but just called Pepsi Max. Uh, and she didn't realise until one day I said, uh, you bought that eight cans today. You drank it all. And she was like, oh, my God. And she had to go, she cold-, yeah, she had to go cold turkey because she just kept thinking like, Oh, I need a, I need a bit of sugar. I need a bit of sugar. <gasps> oh no! Creepy. But then, as soon as her body realised that there was no sugar in it, she was like, "Well, I need." Yeah, exactly. Another it's one. really, I need really more quick. Sugar. Yeah. Um, we so learn. yeah, Alex says sweeteners don't have calories; they're like flavourings. And I said, "Oh right, and the other ingredients don't have any calories either." And he said, "Yes, it's all just water and chemicals, colour and flavourings. Delicious." And then I said, "Ew." Wow. Um, <laughs> wow. So yeah, uh, it's it's very bad. And calories are quite a strange thing as well. Like they. I was reading about them today and like they they seem to be quite mythical. Um, they are obviously a real thing. They're a real unit of measurement and I'll explain to you what, the, what that is in a second. But I do think that people have almost almost wised up a little bit now. I don't think they're very fashionable calories anymore. No, they're not at all. No, yeah. in they, sort they of 80s really a... and 90s, you know, Weight Watchers yeah. and stuff like that, they were very much like, you know, everybody would calorie count and everyone would know the calorie count count yeah. of yeah. certain but food. now it's like proteins and macros yeah. and stuff and i have no idea what a macro yeah, is yeah it's got much more confusing it's yeah. actually very interesting because um it's very unfashionable to talk about dieting now you you instead have to aim for a general concept of wellness yes it's just like i just feel good and also i'm seven stone yeah do you yeah. know what i mean <laughs> yeah. like you don't it's look very good <laughs> i kind of almost preferred the sort of like oh god trying our best honesty of weight watchers rather than just like just be effortlessly thin and eat like this one grain yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's it both is. elitist and, you know, dangerous. Do you know yeah. what I mean? And, and basically, there's loads of things that are very calorific, that are very good for you. You know, like uh, certain grains and pulses and stuff are very calorific. Avocado. But but yeah, mm. they're really, really good for you. And essentially, calorie counting isn't the best way to... I mean, I think if, you're, if you want to lose a large amount of weight, starting off calorie counting is quite helpful because basically it's it's hard to just suddenly go from... You know, maybe having a bad diet to mm. say. I think it goes kale, a long way for know. understanding because I think a lot of people do genuinely grow up and like they might not understand uh, that that butter isn't very good for you or whatever because it's so yeah. just a part of their normal day yeah. and it's a good way for introducing yourself to the concept of like what foods are good and bad for you. Yeah, but I think if people get incredibly obsessed with them, like addicted oh, yeah, almost yeah, yeah. to the idea of calorie counting. Oh, massively. Um, and, you know, I've got a few friends who still really sort of calorie count yeah. uh, because, 
you know, they grew up with their mums in the in the nineties and stuff. You know, who Completely. did it? But I'll just read you out. There's um the actual definition because a calorie is still. I mean, I still I read the definition of calorie and was like, I still don't fully understand. It. So <laughs> right. I mean, I'm not saying it's made it up. A bit obviously not. Up, but it is just a. It sounds a bit unicorny. You know. Yeah. Um, it's a unit of energy. Um, so basically, there's there's two main categories. There's a small calorie, also called a gram calorie, um, and it's the amount of energy needed to raise the temperature of one gram of water by one degree Celsius at the pressure of one atmosphere. Well, that's very specific. It's incredibly specific and also doesn't seem very related to weight. Yeah, exactly. And then it says the second is the large calorie or kilogram calorie, also known as the food calorie. And it's defined in terms of the kilogram rather than the gram. So it's equal to 1,000 small calories or one kilocalorie symbol KCal, which you often see on yeah, yeah, stuff. Yeah. I mean, I don't. I still don't really understand what they mean. But um, I mean, essentially, I guess more energy means like more sugar and more yeah. stuff in it. So the more it's energy gonna... that you don't burn off, the higher the likelihood it's going to transfer into fat. Yeah, yeah. exactly. But um, but it still doesn't. I mean, I don't know. I don't really know who came up with it or how accurately you can really measure it. You know. I like guess the you... thing is that like if you have eaten more than you're gonna burn off in that day and it's gonna transfer into fat and go on your body like that that process is different for everyone surely yeah mm. and people like store fat in different ways on their body yeah yeah and it so, depends like it depends on what you're trying to do as well like if you're trying to tone and build muscle and stuff then you need more calories if you're working out more and stuff mm. and also it came up in an office quite recently uh that i was in where somebody was trying to lose weight and they said oh i'm gonna cut it down to um cut my calories down to like 1500 calories or whatever and then I'm going to do exercise and then someone was like you know that the guideline is 2000 calories per day for women as in what you're supposed to keep so like technically you could you could eat 3000 calories a day if you wanted and as long as you exercised every day for 1000 calories yeah. that's your baseline is 2000 oh, calories see. you're not supposed to burn off every single <gasps> calorie because then you don't have anything Oh. Do you know what I mean? And so you like, burn calories as well, just by existing. Just, just. Yeah, I remember exactly. reading yeah. something like, um, like if you just stayed in bed all day, you'd still burn. I can't remember what the exact figure was, yeah. but it was quite high. It was something like a thousand calories. If you stand up all day, you burn a lot of calories. But even though, like, even the language around this thing is so like around burning and like the sort of yeah idea that there's these these um, numbers that you accrue somehow and then you have to shed immediately. It's yeah. such a weird language. It's a horrible language, essentially. Um, but to lighten it up, I've got a little quiz. Ooh, um, love a quiz. It's uh, it's about high calorie foods that you wouldn't think are high calorie. Okay. Oh god, I can't wait to develop a mild eating disorder out of this. Yes. Okay, I'm going to read a few fake ones. Hannah, don't look. I'm not looking. And a few real ones. Okay, um, bananas. Um, good for you. Good for you, um, but high calorie, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Nope, they're fine. Oh, what's fine? That was a fake one. <laughs> it just means like they're not um, that under high like fifty, or I don't know. They're just I don't even know how many. No, there bananas are, just... are like a hundred. I don't even know what's high or what's low, really. Like. I know I've seen like diet bars that have been like only twelve calories. I just don't understand. That's so weird. Isn't I don't it? understand how that can be. That's how can you? How can you? How can you um round down to twelve when we've just heard of what the it's like this measurement yeah. of light and weight in water. Yeah. It's like how could you possibly get twelve? How could you get an odd number? Yeah. Surely you round up to the nearest hundred or or what? Right. What? Like, Why? It's just bullshit, basically. It just seems so bullshitty. Like, get Alex to explain it again. Like, you just, I don't understand. <laughs> um, a banana is 89 calories, by the way. Okay. See, I just don't buy that. It's either 90, it's either 100 or it's nothing. <laughs> Where has this come from? I just don't believe it. 
Um, quinoa. Uh, it is. No, oh, that's fatty. Oh, that's so boring, isn't it? That's, that's, no, it's not got lots of calories. High calorie. Oh, fine. This is bo- this is how bullshit calories are, though, because also you should eat quinoa. It's, not, it's good for you. Uh, one cooked cup has 222 calories. It's not lots, Is the whole though. point is that it's like a fuller for longer type thing? Yeah, exactly. Oh, so see. the whole calorie thing is rubbish, really. Yeah. Um, hummus. Oh. oh, very fatty. Love it. Olive oil, isn't it? And yeah. Sort of but is that the same as calories? Oh, I don't know. Yeah, I think it's quite calorific. Yeah, you're right. It's uh, 25 calories per tablespoon. Mm. So creamy. Per delicious But it's so delicious. Last one. Dark chocolate. Not very calorific. Kind of calorific, but delicious again. All of <laughs> yeah. these things are good. Hannah's sort of hit it on the head there. Like, it is higher than you'd think, but it's there's 170 calories in one ounce of dark chocolate. Oh, God, don't get into how much an ounce is. I have no idea. <laughs> yeah, what even no is? What but that's what I mean. Essentially, means. there's loads of, like... Basically, it's not a very good way of measuring what's healthy or how much you should eat because there's loads of things that are very high calorie, but you should eat them. And there's loads of things that are low, very low calorie, and that probably means that they're just crap. Like yeah. a Diet Coke. Yeah. So, Kate, stop, stop having a Diet Coke and have a lovely bloody avocado and an yeah. egg. Stick a bikini on and send us a picture. Yeah. It's <laughs> a bit weird. <laughs> send nudes. <laughs> send send Hi, nudes. Kate. Send nudes. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Caroline, you're a writer, but you don't seem to write or indeed do anything. What's up with that? <laughs> yeah, Hama, I'm actually taking inspiration today from my 2007 counterparts, the writer strike. Ah. Remember that? No. Yeah, that was really weird. It was so weird because I was 17 when it was happening, which is like peak like watching a lot of TV time, right? A lot of just sitting yeah, around yeah. watching TV. And I remember people talking about it a lot. I remember lots of TV shows not having new episodes on. Yeah, I remember Scrubs. I 
for yeah. some reason. I don't remember this at all. What was I doing at the time? Why did I not Re- know about this? Better <laughs> Spice Girls, where you just weren't engaging with culture. Yeah. And <laughs> I was still in the garden with my worms. You were just at seventeen, <laughs> just so obsessed with the worms. When I, really I was seventeen, I had a very big worm. <laughs> I had a very big worm and no TV set. I was Hannah Varane. <laughs> God, I would watch that musical. Oh, <laughs> Um, what actually was it? Was it like an American thing? Was it global? It was an American thing. And, um, well, essentially, uh, writers of TV and film in LA decided that they would go on strike and they went on strike for like 100 days. Oh, that's ages. That's absolutely ages. And, was it a money and in, thing? Um, I'll get into it in a second. Oh, but the reason why I was like suddenly like, oh, yeah, that thing is because I was watching the film. Actually, I watched it twice this weekend. <laughs> The John C. Riley classic Walk Hard, which is um, comfortably the best motion, motion picture of the last 25 years. I haven't heard of it. Oh my God. Walk Hard is the funniest film that has ever come out. It's got, a, it's got Walk Hard. Walk Hard, Not, yeah. It's got a funny title. Yeah, so it's basically like um, it came after, it was like in that whole thing of like spoof movies, like Scary Movie and all that. Oh, like The Naked Gun. You know, it was much later because then you could go with the nineties, whereas the spoof movies of the naughties were more like scary movie, that oh, kind of thing. Okay. You yeah. know? Yeah. And um so Walk Hard was all about like taking the piss out of musical biopics because there was that year where Walk the Line and Ray like both oh, won. I was gonna say oh, right. So it was like basically taking the piss out of those like like Johnny Cash type stories where it's all about like and I say the lyrics of the song and the conversation and as I'm slowing down I can see it's going to be my hit song yeah. and in the next scene I'm singing my hit song yeah. and it's just, it's just like the most perfect film ever and I got really into it like me and Gavin watched it literally twice in the space of one weekend we're like why is this not the most famous film of our times and it turns out that one of the reasons why it's not as famous as it should be is because it came out during the writer's strike and films and like uh, those late night talk shows like Conan O'Brien and all them all the writers weren't working oh shit so like they couldn't you forget like you see like Conan O'Brien on his show or any of those people like those conversations are scripted for the most part you know what I mean oh wow Um, and this writer's strike it affected so many different things in this incredibly far reaching cultural way that we'll never quite understand so let me get back to the absolute nuts and bolts of what this argument was about Mm mm-hmm so, um, you know, obviously a, a writer writes books, a musician writes songs, and every time those things get purchased or played on something, that writer receives a royalty or of a percentage of what that is, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's a fairly standard thing. But for a really, really long time, um, TV writers and film writers, they would get paid a flat fee for whatever work they did on what, whatever film or TV show, and then they were not entitled to any residuals. Oh. So, like, for example, I Love Lucy, like one of the most successful sitcoms of all time has generated billions of dollars in revenue those writers never received a penny of any of that oh my god they just got their salary at the start and then never received a percentage never ever and especially when you consider like how seasonal writing work can be and like you could you could often like if you work work entertainment you could go months and months and months without working at all because there are so many writers and only so many tv shows that like you really need that money to survive it's not Mm. just like extra cash it's like your career sort of depends on it yeah. So um, then uh, at some point in the mid-century, the writers, I think they striked for to get sort of like residuals, <laughs> they right? They stroke. They stroke. <laughs> they struck. I guess they struck. They struck. Um, but then the 80s rolls around and uh, home video releases comes in for the first time. 
And they sort of come to this agreement in the 80s, the studios and the Writers Guild, that and because a home video is a burgeoning market, that they wouldn't receive the same royalties that they would for, say, like a theatre or a TV okay. playing. That they would only get a very, very small amount of royalty. I think it was something incredibly small, like 0.8% or something was what the deal was. And the deal was that after home video had sort of stabilised itself, they would then get a normal rate that they would get on like anything else. Okay. But that never happened. 20 years pass. Oh, shit. And it never... We're like, we still don't know what VHS is doing. Co- yeah, yeah, completely. So VHS turns into DVD. Mm-hmm. And then like, it was literally getting to the point where like, for like say, you know, a, a DVD gets sold in HMV for nineteen ninety nine. Yeah. That the writer who wrote that film ends up getting like four cents. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Like, which is a crazy small amount and then what else was happening during that time is that uh, the switch to digital was happening for the first time so there was like you could buy films to stream off iTunes and all of that and Mm. the writers weren't getting credited at all with any residuals or any royalties for anything digital oh god so they were just like not getting their royalties at all and they and they 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 struck yeah. <laughs> and they struck again. Well, good. They struck for a long old time, Lance. They really did. I was I was really impassioned hearing about this. Um, so there was a lot and lot of talks and like there were so there's so many people. Like if you go on YouTube and just write in Writer Strike 2007, there's like you get Seth MacFarlane, all the Simpsons writers, oh, yeah. Conan O'Brien, like all these people who are just like this isn't fair. This is so terribly unfair. And it ended up having this trickle down effect on so many areas of culture. So they, because so many people stopped producing, uh, lots of people, lots of people got fired just for striking at all. Um, what happened as well at Fox in particular? Fox were real bastards. Mm. So Fox do Simpsons, Family Guy, Futurama. Is once the writers um, had their strike, they fired all the assistants. So like the you know twenty twenty one twenty two year olds, the lowest income people in the entire network got fired and they were like blaming it on the writers being like you got these people fired why just to sort of like strong arm them into like guilt them into guilt them into stopping strike yeah and another interesting thing that happened was because reality TV doesn't need writers there was a lot of reality TV that's where the reality TV boom came from oh my god right this is um, our good friend Kit Lovelace has written about why that uh, potentially contributed to like The Apprentice and Donald Trump and the yeah, rise of it completely did yes I tweeted about this today earlier on and Kit did chime in with that that like yeah it, it did contribute to Donald Trump's transition over as a major television star yeah which gave him the platform that parlayed him into being president of the United States like it's absolutely oh, crazy God. imagine if you'd said that sentence three years ago we'd have been like yeah ha, ha, ha. or I'll imagine if. if you went back into like to like say one of these writers who were like campaigning for equal pay or whatever and you're like this is uh, inadvertently going to bring about the downfall of society <laughs> yeah. so maybe you didn't think oh my think God. about it yeah. no, but if you think about if you think about the long term impact of any of your decisions you'd never make a decision it's such so, a yeah. butterfly effect thing isn't it yeah. but then all this other stuff happens happened so like there were lots of um uh, creatives who were now out of work and that was they generated an enormous loss of revenue i think it was like 13 billion or something i don't have my notes in front of me and the internet's gone down but it's something <laughs> crazy like 13 billion was lost to like los angeles economy in that time wow. because that's that's like it's not just like the writers it's the trickle down effect of that it's like yeah. writers aren't writing tv shows aren't getting made craft services aren't being employed all these people aren't working all these people, like lighting technicians are standing around not earning 
So like, and they they really started vilifying the writers as well because of that. Bloody hell. Yeah, it's absolutely fascinating, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, but then there were like people like Joss Whedon and his crew. You know, he kind of, he's one of those people who works with like a crew. Do you know what I mean? Right. Okay. Like him and Nathan Fillion and all that. They started just like making stuff in by themselves because they were bored. Like they were just like, oh, we'll just make stuff. And uh, they like made this um, this sort of web series that was kind of, the first time anybody had made a TV show just for online. Do you know what I mean? Right. Obviously, they were like the early noughties equivalents of YouTubers making their own stuff. But mm. this was like high production value stuff with famous people only for online. Yeah. And no one had really done that before. It was a bit like, do you remember when Twitter first happened and Stephen Fry was suddenly tweeting and it was like this mind fuck where you could be like, Stephen Fry's in my computer <laughs> yeah, yeah, live. Yeah. Do you yeah. know what I mean? So was, was he not, did that not constitute him breaking the strike if he was writing his material? Well, no, because he wasn't doing for profit. He was just doing it for, okay. for yucks, right. really, for his, making his own stuff. So he made this thing called, um, you might have remembered Remembered it, Doctor Horrible sing along blog, no. no, which um he had as a starring role Neil Patrick Harris, who at that point was in a career graveyard because he'd been a child star and then it never really translated to anything to real life. Oh, and, and he's then, the guy in um, that terrible program How I Met Your Mother. Yeah, but he's also like one of the biggest stars of the stage now, and he's hosted the Tonys like three times and oh, okay. just like this incredible. He's, like, he's like the Obama of entertainment. Yeah, which I like to watch and cry at. <laughs> Anyone actually listening, if you want to see like consummate professionalism at its greatest height, watch Neil Patrick Harris in 2013 opening the Tony Awards because it's very moving. Okay, well, I'm going to do that when I get home. Um, so at the end of the day, there was strikes for a very long time. It was very tempestuous. Lots of people being vilified. Um, and in the end, the writers got their residual rights for basically digital streaming, Good. which is mad because uh, you re- I was reading all the arguments at the time and they were like, oh, what if we come to a place where internet begins to replace TV and then we're basically out in our arses?" And people were like, that will never happen. And <laughs> obviously that's exactly the landscape we're living in. Yeah. So like, it's so good that they actually fought for this because they'd be absolutely broke they'd now. Fucked, they would, yeah. they would yeah. basically be slaves of the studio. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. They'd have no job security. Yeah. And... Uh, yeah, and there were other people who like tried, like the reality TV people, they never really got their, they never really won anything. Yeah. Which part, might be part of the reason why reality TV is still so cheap to make, so there's so much of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that it's kind of, it has such a big place in culture now. Wow, that was one of your classic Caroline, <laughs> I've gone too far into this. No, I really <laughs> enjoyed it. <laughs> no, I mean, obviously I enjoyed it, but... Um, yeah, yeah. I, I think... Cultural this, Exposé by Caroline This O'Donoghue. is one of my favourite segments I've ever done. Yeah. I mean, everybody in this room is like a creative who tries to make work, make money off of the things that they yeah. do and that they love. And that the idea that like... Because like really, writing is a very... Even when someone's like performing at the height of their, you know their success it's really only a very middle class living do you know what I mean there are yeah. there are like three millionaire authors and, there, and that's like there are only three millionaire engineers and most of the people are just trying to make ends meet do you know what yeah. I mean so I feel very passionate about it you'll be number four millionaire <laughs> author <laughs> my first novel out June 7th Promising Young Women available on Amazon <laughs> <laughs> So periodically on the School for Dumb Women, we like to right the wrongs of other people by going into Reddit and passing judgment just willy nilly. It's our guidance counselor session. So buckle up for some underpaid, unqualified advice from someone who probably doubles as your RE teacher. So what's our problem this week? Okay, so this is from Reddit Relationships, my favourite place on the internet. 
My grandma wants to give me, a 27-year-old male, her engagement ring to propose to my girlfriend, 26-year-old female. My sister, 29-year-old female, wants the ring to herself as a heirloom. So this is a really long problem and it's absolutely fascinating. But the too long didn't read is my grandma offered me her engagement ring to propose to my girlfriend with. My sister wants to keep the ring to herself, not to use an engagement, but just as a keepsake. Should I give in to her or stand up for myself and my new family? Ugh, my new family. Who are you? <laughs> um... So essentially, this guy wants to marry his lovely girlfriend. The grandma wants to give his her engagement ring over. Grandma's still alive, so obviously she can still speak for it. The mother thinks it's a fine idea as well. And the sister is just like, I'm single, but I think I should have the ring just because I should have it. No. Oh, oh, I, think, so, I think let the guy propose with it. Yeah, definitely. It is an engagement ring. Yeah, exactly. That's like what it's for. But I mean, I feel like as a feminist, I'm supposed to be on the sister's side, but I feel like she's being kind of a bitch here. I, I think know, she's being a bit like, of a brat. Um, I, I believe in fairness. And if it was me and my brother in this situation, I would want us to both come out of it happy. Mm. Like, And I think there is a diplomatic way for them to find a way around this where they just split the ring in half. Yeah. And oh, yes. get someone to make a new half of a ring for each of the rings. So then you have two rings, which are both half the grandma's yes. ring and half a new ring. And then, so, okay, so the brother's new wife and the sister both have this half ring. They both have children. They each get half of the ring. Yes. Then they're separated <gasps> by time and space. Meet yeah. up at summer camp years later. <laughs> yes. Exactly. Yeah, and become Lindsay Lohan twice. Yeah, exactly, yeah. yeah. And then you just kind of have to toss a coin for whichever side has the, like, I don't know, ruby or diamond or whatever in yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Because you probably don't want to split that down the middle. Or you could always just pry out the diamond, give that to the sister, and then you could have the shitty ring setting because... Or you could just say, look, Leanne. I think that she's probably called Leanne. Yeah. <laughs> Stop oh, being so Sarah. selfish. Oh, Sarah. She does have a name. Sarah. Look, look Sarah. Sarah. Stop being so selfish. This is an engagement ring. I'm getting engaged. I'd like to use it. Mm. You're just going to put it on your sad, lonely old spinster finger. You know? <laughs> well, okay. I'm, I want to sort of play devil's advocates for Sarah, though. So let's say let's say this, this you know, ring has been in the family for generations. Let's yeah. say it's been in the family for 200 years. It's one of those type of ring deals. Right. Um, and they want to keep it in the family. And what if the sister doesn't necessarily believe that this woman, his, her brother is trying to marry, is, you know, the best way to keep it in the family. What if she thinks that it's not going to work out? Yeah, safer to keep it in the like, direct family. Why yeah. don't they have a sort of prenup for it, that if they split up, she has to give it back? Is that what you propose with, though? <laughs> well, you know, you, you I'm bringing a form. <laughs> Please, tick box. <laughs> the bit know. that we haven't mentioned here is the section that says, my sister has a history of making things about herself. Vacations cut short, celebratory dinners stormed out of, and she almost ruined our stepsister's bat mitzvah because she was asked to sit at her friend's house. So right. she does sound like a bit of a dick, but yeah. also this is her little brother yeah. who's always going to have his side of the story yeah, and who's always going to be like, she's such a drama queen, when actually probably he's a prick too. Mm. We're all just pricks. <laughs> pricks with rings. Pricks with rings. Yeah, I mean, I had a sit well, not a similar situation, but my nan passed away who I was really close to when I was 18. And my auntie, who is not my auntie by blood, uh, just took all of her jewellery. Uh, and then about 10 mm. years later, she was like, oh, you and Charlotte, my sister, can pick what jewellery you want uh, from, from your nan's jewellery collection. I was like, yeah, because you've been hoarding it for a decade. And it's nice. I'm wearing my nan's chain right now. However, I do think 
How sentimental can a ring be? I see. I feel very strange about that kind of stuff as well. I remember when my nan died. I, I don't remember anybody asking that, but I found out about a year and a half ago that uh, my cousins and my sister they all had an, an item of jewellery belonging to my gran. And I went to my mom. I was like, "How come I didn't get anything?" And she said, "Well, you were the only one who didn't ask." <gasps> so, yeah. What? So as if you were meant to ask? I, I, yeah, I didn't. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Like I was pissed off at the thought of my auntie doing that, but also, but also do I was you like, really? care at the end of the day yeah like, I mean, it's nice that i have it but also if i could see you know my sister-in-law in the case of this question having it and enjoying it then why not if it clearly meant something more to somebody else and they weren't just being a spiteful idiot i would kind of just give it over yeah you? yeah i'm lucky because all of the things that i like and that are meaningful to me uh objectively ugly Oh, so, I thought um, you were going to say in this room, but I suppose it could work both ways. <laughs> if you ever want to propose to Hannah, give her something disgusting. Please do. <laughs> if you'd like us to help you with some sort of issue, like a pig or an engagement ring, uh, please write in to us at dumbwomenpod at gmail.com or tweet us at dumbwomenpod or Instagram us at, guess what, dumbwomenpod. Uh, we'd love to help you with any of your problems, no matter too small, but some matters too big. Well, that's it for another week of mediocre research and large-yoker personalities. If you've enjoyed this episode, please do go and give us an honest review on the Apple Podcast Store. Thanks to Gavin Day for our logo, Harry Harris for our jingles, and Soho Radio Studios for our recording space. Thanks again to Kate Taylor for writing in with a question for us. If you have a question, please get in touch. We'd love to hear from you. Mm. We'll be back next Tuesday with another episode. Unless we strike. So until then, goodbye. Goodbye. Ta-ra. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.